morning, everybody. To you all that are here, to you all that are watching online. And so it's a weird kind of thing now of this duality, sort of having church here, having church out there. But if you're watching us online, would you just chime in in the comments? Um, let us know that you're here, that you're showing up, that, um, that, so that we can know that we're together in a lot of ways. You know, right now, this week is a big week for us, as we all know. And I don't know about you, but I have heard from a lot of people of this feeling of worry, anxiety, feeling of what will happen on Tuesday, on Wednesday, however long this election is going to take to sort out. But it certainly feels like, to me, like things aren't, you know, how it always is, how it's always been in my life, where you stay up late on election night and eventually you get the answer. Eventually, at 11.30, at 12 o'clock, like, all right, this is, this is who won. This is who won. And it kind of feels like, to me, like it's not going to be like that this year. Maybe. Um, it may be Wednesday. It may be Thursday. Who knows? And it also feels like there is this air of uncertainty about what may happen if this person wins, what may happen if this person wins, and we just don't know. And so we come to this space with uncertainty. We come to this space today with Maybe a little bit of fear, with a little bit of discomfort, with a little bit of not knowing. I feel that way too. And so I think many of you feel that way. I feel this way. And, and one way I think that we can be together is just be together. And I sent out a note and I said, let's show up today. Let's show up for the next few Sundays in this space. Let's show up for each other in so many different ways. Let's remind each other. Let's reach out to each other. Let's send each other notes and cards in every way that we can, to try to help be together. Because I think that some folks in this moment are feeling more vulnerable than others. And I think our black and brown communities are feeling very vulnerable. I think our LGBTQ communities are feeling very vulnerable. I think that there's a lot of women who feel very vulnerable. And so we come into this space of like not knowing. And in that time, we need to show up for each other. I know that it's hard right now. I wish that we could have filled this room today and we could have shown like, yes, we are here for each other. It is a weird life. It is a weird time. It is a weird situation. But we just got to find creative ways right now to be there for each other. I don't have all the answers. Together, we got to figure that out. Maybe that's sending a bunch of cards this week to people. Maybe that's making some old-fashioned phone calls this week. Maybe that's sending some texts this week. Maybe that's showing up and just dropping off some cookies at somebody's door. Like, whatever it is, I don't know what it is. But let's show up for each other because we are a community, and we have to stand strong together. No matter what may come this week, whether it's the result that we want, whether it is not the result that we want, whether it is peace or whether it is not peace. We can't control those things, but we can respond to them in ways that bring life to those around us. So let us do that. Let us respond in ways that bring life this week to whatever may come. We're here. If you need us, please let us know. Please reach out. Feel free. This week, and we are in um, All Saints Sunday, but we are also, the, the lectionary text is the Beatitudes this morning. And I thought, ah, that's, that's pretty fitting for this moment where we are heading to an election where we always face this tension as followers of Jesus. The, the, on the one side, we have the politics of Jesus, the politics of the kingdom of God. On the other side, we have the politics of the world. And they don't line up. 
much at all. And but here we are. We have faced this tension. We must live in this world and we must be engaged in the political systems of this world. But we also have a call. We also have a hope. We also have a foundation that guides how we move in the world. And that is the way of Jesus. I believe that we should be involved in the politics of the world because ultimately, as I've said many times, politics is ultimately at its root the public negotiation of how we care for each other as a society. It is not Republican and Democrat. It is not this, like, this policy and that policy. It is how we do this thing, how we care for each other. I think we've lost some of that. I think we've, we've gone to just caring about ourselves as, as politics and how this can benefit me. But ultimately, that's not the, the, the root, the best way. The best way is how do we care for each other? How do we do the most good? How do we work for the common good of a society together? And that is what the aspirations of politics should be. It is not that always. Sometimes we get glimpses of that, but unfortunately... Usually it's just a glimpse. But here we are, facing these two realities that we come into contact with. And I think it's good to be reminded of our Constitution, the, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. I want to read it, and then we'll jump in and talk about it. Is that cool? Is that great? That's cool? Awesome. We come to Matthew 5, and here it is. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began, he began to teach them, saying this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all sorts of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for us and all the people of God. We come to this scene where Jesus is on a mountain, and that should immediately elicit responses, thoughts to you of like, oh, this is like Moses, when Moses was on a mountain in Exodus 19. Exodus 19 is when God is giving the law to the people. The law was basically how we are going to interact with each other, how we're going to establish a society that is going to bring about justice and equality, fairness, goodness, love. How are we going to do that? Because the people were just coming out of Egypt, and they had all they had seen for 400 years was brutality and slavery. They had seen a way of destruction, a way of injustice. And it makes sense to them. If you were like them, you would probably say, well, we saw how the Egyptians did it. We're going to set up a society like that. But God was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. I just delivered you out of that, and I don't want you to go back into that. So God brought Moses up and, and said, and on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, and everyone in the camp trembled. Moses went up to the mountain, and God gave Moses the law to give to the people. And here we are again. We come to Jesus. Jesus is 
the new Moses, leading the new liberation of humanity. And we find the similar spot, don't we? Jesus saw the crowds. He went up to the mountainside and sat down. But here there is not thunder and there is not lightning. There is love. The people of Israel at this point were just like the people of Israel so long ago. Everywhere around them, they had seen destruction and injustice. Everywhere around them, they had been now dominated by Romans who exploited them for their wealth and their talents and their resources. Now, they were facing a similar situation of how are we going to do life in the midst of the reality that we find ourselves in? What kind of society are we going to strive to build together? This has been the question of every people everywhere. It is our question today. What sort of society are we going to work to build together? One built on injustice? One built on exclusion? One built on harm and pain? One built on exploiting a group of people or excluding a group of people? That is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is this. The Beatitudes. I love this here when Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Like a lot of times we take this blessed and we think that this means divine favor. That in lots of ways, like God is giving divine favor for those groups of people. But that is not necessarily what this means exactly. This is more like. Blessed meaning this way of life leads to the most life. I love what was here, this, this whole book on the Sermon on the Mount and Human Flourishing. It's really fantastic by Jonathan Penneting. And he says this, rather, this is, an ins- the, this is not making a claim about God's favor, blessing, at all. Rather, it is an inspirational vision for the wise way of being in the world that will result in what all humans desire, human flourishing. It is a poetically crafted form of implicit invitation to consider what the best way of being in the world is and to pursue it. This is the best way to be in the world. Pursue it. This, blessed are the poor. Blessed, this this sort of system, this sort of community is the best way. Pursue it. Give yourself to it. Live in it. Um, many of you know the great professor over at Duke, Stanley Harvass. He's many things on many. He, he said many things on many things. But I love what he says here about the Sermon on the Mount. Accordingly, the sermon is not addressed to individuals, but to the community that Jesus begins and extends through the calling of the disciples. The sermon is not a heroic ethic. It is a constitution For the people. You cannot live by the demands of the sermon on your own. I love this. But that is the point. The demands of the sermon are designed to make us depend upon God and one another. The sermon, therefore, is not a list of requisites, but rather a description of the life of a people gathered by and around Jesus. To be saved is to be so gathered. 
That is why the Beatitudes are the interpretive key to the whole sermon, precisely because they are not recommendations. No one is asked to go out and to try to be poor in spirit, or to mourn, or to be meek. Rather, Jesus is indicating that given the reality of the kingdom, we should not be surprised to find those among us, those follow him, those who are poor in spirit, those who are mourn, those who are meek. Moreover, Jesus does not suggest that everyone who follows him will possess all the Beatitudes. But we will be sure that some will be poor, some will mourn, and some will be meek. I love this idea of this pushing us away from this individualized understanding of the Beatitudes or any of Jesus' teaching and pushing us towards the idea that this is for a community. This is what the community will look like. This is the blessed community. This community living like this where, yes, they are gathered together and some are poor in spirit and some are mourning and some are meek and some are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And together we do this life together. I think in America we have gotten far too individualized. We've separated ourselves along the color of our skin along our sexual reality, along our economics, along our ethnicity. We've separated ourselves, and this group of people is over there, and here, and here, and here, and no longer do we have to mourn for each other. It breaks my heart to watch one group of people in America suffer violence, And another group of people in America say, I don't care. What is that? That is not who we are called to be. It is heartbreaking to watch in our society. One church take a stand that says, we will actively work against the flourishing of this group of people. We will work against the LGBTQ community. How is that anything like Jesus is calling us to? It is not. What Jesus is calling us to is this unusual mixture of all humanity coming together, learning together, living together, dwelling together, When those of us, when one of us mourns, we will all mourn. When one of us is poor, we will all be poor. When one of us goes through trouble, we will all go through trouble together. And that is what it is to be meek. That even though we may have power in society, we may have the opportunity to get out. We may have the opportunity to separate ourselves. We may have the opportunity. Sorry about the little ring. We may have the opportunity to do that, but we will not because our Constitution doesn't allow it because we come together for a higher purpose and a higher call. Haravas continues by saying this, perhaps no beatitude is more Christocentric than Jesus' commendation of those who mourn, for they are, like him, prepared to live in the world renouncing what the world calls happiness and even peace. Together we will have to renounce some things that may bring us 
individualized benefits, right? But it may not be good for our community. It may not be good for those friends that we are in church with, that we do life with, that we follow Jesus with. And so it may be necessary for us to reject those comforts on behalf and for and with those that we care about most deeply. Like Jesus, moreover, the disciples endure injustice with hard meekness that still hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Yet the righteousness of this new people is blessed by the mercy seen in the forgiveness that Christ showed even to those who would kill him. Such a people are capable of peacemaking because they are sustained by the purity derived from having no other telos or passion or end goal of their life but to enact the kingdom embodied by Jesus. Yet such a people may be well preserved as Jesus was persecuted because they are an alternative to the violence of the world that is too often called peace. Mm. They will be persecuted because we seek another sort of peace. Not a peace that is just good for us, but a peace that is good for the world. A peace that says all people everywhere must flourish in order for anyone to have peace. And if that group of people is not flourishing, if that group of people is not flourishing, then we yet don't have peace. Justice, equality, forgiveness, grace brings peace. And how do we live that out, church? We do that by embodying it. We live it in our bodies. We live it by our actions. We live it by the jobs that we do. We live it by the ways that we interact with one another. We live it by what we do with our money. We live it by what we do with our time. We live it with our bodies. This is not just something we believe in our heads or believe in our hearts. I think that is a great misconstruction of Christianity in the modern age, that we just believe this in our hearts somewhere. No, you believe it with your bodies. That's how we believe in Jesus. We believe it with all of us, all that we are. That is our call. That is our demand. And yes, that will intersect every uh, part of our lives, our politics, our jobs, our families, our finances, our everything. We live it with our bodies. And so today I believe we are called to do that, to stand with each other, literally with our bodies, Of those of us who are in pain and mourning, we will stand with them with our bodies, with our feet, with our hands, with our lives. Those of us who are hurting, we will have those around us come stand with us. And so we are reminded today on the eve of an election, on the eve of we don't know. (laughs) <laughs> what will come yesterday it was like, it was like halloween and it was a a blue moon full moon on halloween which was very rare i guess a blue moon is a full moon happening in two in a month right i don't know what they were my daughter told me actually that that the last time this had happened was in 1937 and it's like yeah well you know it's 2020 so <laughs> anything's possible here <laughs> and yet here we are on this space and we wonder and we mourn and we are worried and we are uncertain and we don't know what will come and we are afraid 
And it's okay to say those things. It's okay to say, I'm not sure. It's okay to say, I'm worried. For in that space, when we open ourselves up, we can be surrounded by others who say, I'm worried too. I'm with you. And we're together. In this moment, I believe our Constitution is what we need to be reminded of today. We're blessed, and it's the best way of life when we pursue being poor in spirit, when we pursue comforting those who mourn, when we pursue being meek, when we pursue hungering and thirsting for justice, which is the same word for righteousness, by the way, when we pursue being merciful, when we pursue being pure in heart, when we pursue being peacemakers, when we understand that when we do these things, when we are peacemakers, we will be persecuted because the world doesn't want that sort of peace. The world wants a peace secured by violence. A peace that says, I've got more power now, and now we can be in peace. But Jesus' peace is to say, no, we will all have equality, and everyone will have flourishing. And so today, we are tempted to respond in the way of the world. We are responded to, and we want to respond in that same way. We are responded to with violence and we want to respond with violence. We are responded to with pain and we want to respond to give pain of our own. We are responded to with exclusion and we want to exclude. But we cannot. In this moment, we cannot. For we are followers of Jesus. And so in this week, in this time, let us strive to be peacemakers Let us strive to embody peacemaking. Let us strive to put that on ourselves every day. No matter what may come, of course we will be persecuted. Of course we will be pushed out. Of course we will face consequences. But let that not dictate our response. Let us be people of peace. Let us be people of love. Let us be people of grace this week. And let us be people who stay together join each other, who remember that some of us are really hurting right now. So let's show up and let's be there for one another. We can do it. We face an uncertain week, but we can do that together because God has not given up on us and God has not forgotten us and God has not abandoned us. And Jesus is alive and here. And we'll get through this together. As we prepare our hearts for communion, let's pray. God, we give you thanks for your goodness and mercy. And we pray that you would remind us this week of your goodness. That you would remind us that we are not alone. That you would remind us that we need not fear, for you have overcome the world. Jesus, in this moment, in this day, and this week, we pray, especially for our most vulnerable friends for our immigrant friends and our Muslim friends and our atheist friends and our LGBTQ friends and our black and brown friends. God, we pray for them in this space and this time that your mercy would fall upon them and your protection would live over them. 
We pray for our rural communities in this moment, Jesus. God, we pray for your protection over them. We pray for our urban communities. We pray for your protection over them. God, we pray for our communities that are older and our communities that are younger and our communities that are in between. All humanity, Jesus, we pray that you would be with us. God, that you in your mercy would help us not to be deceived thinking that violence is the right way. But violence always ends in more violence. It always ends in destruction. So, Lord, deliver us, we pray, from this. God, we give you our hearts and our lives this week, this day, and pray that you would go before us. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.